Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host of the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney II, Dan Colbert, Anthony Weidel, and the rest of the Steelers front office as they look to put together a winning roster in 2022 and beyond. A roster that's literally only a few days away from kicking off their season, um, less than a week to go. And you know what? Like, you know, there's still some probably player moves that are going to happen. So if this show goes to air and some of those moves have happened overnight, um, you know, I record this on my Wednesday night, as everyone knows, and it goes live on Wednesday lunchtime. Um, for me today, woke up today for my Wednesday and I'm hearing the news about Franco Harris um, and his jersey being retired. And isn't that wonderful? I think there's a few more players to retire as well. When you think about Troy, uh, you know, Bradshaw, eventually Ben, but they'll all get their time, uh, I think, as as things develop and things move on. So, look, on today's show, we're going to talk about a new crop of Steelers. Uh, really, I'm going to wait one more week uh, before we start talking college players, because it's good to give them a couple of weeks uh, where we can start seeing some stats and what have you. So, when I'm talking about the new crop, I'm talking about guys they brought in and some expectations for what they might look like in terms of their yield that they're going to deliver for the Steelers this season. So the five players that we're going to look at, we're going to look at um, two guys on offense. We're going to look on two guys on defense. And so, sorry, I lie. We're going to have uh, three guys on defense, two guys on offense. We'll be the offensive guys in the second half of the show. So 
The two players we're going to look at first, and I say first by two players because I said we're going to look at three players on defense, is two of them are defensive ends or defensive tackles, depending on however the depth chart lists them. So those two guys probably make sense um, in Ogunjobi, Larry O, and DeMarvin Leal. And so the first piece, I I think, let's cover off Larry Ogunjobi because Larry Ogunjobi's a proven performer in the league. Um, Larry Ogunjobi, most people know he played in Cleveland. Then last season he played in Cincinnati, obviously went to the Super Bowl, lost that with them. Apart from his rookie year, um, where he still played in 14 games, he's played 16, 15 games throughout his career. So we can expect him, as long as he's fit and healthy, you'd expect him to play upwards of 15 games this season, hopefully all 17, unless the Steelers are in an envious position where they can rest him. He also has 21 and a half sacks across five years. So that's an average of four and a half. Now he had one sack in his rookie year, and then otherwise it's been five and a half, five and a half, 2018, 2019, two and a half in 2020. Seven in 2021. So you probably, I think, I got, I'd be surprised if he got less than five and a half sacks if he's the true, he's considered a left side defensive, you know, end or tackle and, and cams on the right side. So I think five and a half sacks is a good expectation for what Ogan Joby will do from a sack perspective. From a tackle perspective, he's had 230 across his five year um from a combined tackle perspective. Um he's had two hundred and thirty or so uh over his five year career. So when you, again when you split that, you're looking at about um forty six ish tackles um from his from that perspective. In terms of tackles for a loss, he's got forty one over five years. So you're looking at eight to nine. Um so I think for him, if we can see like six sacks, ten tackles for a loss that's a really good output from Larry O. Um, and if he can get over those two, that's that's a really good sort of situation. He's averaged 53 quarterbacks over his career as well. Well, not average. That's what he's had in total. So he's averaged there just shy of more than 10. And so again, can he get 13, 14, 15? Because he's had a career high of 16 last year. He had 15 in 2018, 13 in 2019. Uh, so that gives you a sort of benchmark, I think, for Ogunjobi. So just recapping that, that's six sacks, 10 tackles for a loss, 12 quarterback hits, um, Lario, you know, that, that, that's a good season yield, I think, from, from that perspective. Want to get on to DeMarvin Leal, though, because he's a rookie, and what does that expectation look like? Because we've talked about Lario coming in, some of this experience. If he can produce those numbers, um, you know, and they're not that ambitious, like Wormling was able to do kind of those numbers. Uh, but then it kind of also puts what, like Larry O's, you know, play last season in the perspective of the only other seven sacks because we only had seven sacks. Um, but I want to look back at what Cam Haywood and Stefan Tuitt did in their rookie years. So Cam Haywood played in 16 games. Uh, you had one pass defense, one forced fumble, one sack, one tackle for a loss, four quarterback hits. That was the sum total of what he did as a rookie. I would expect, given the makeup of this defensive line, that Leal is probably going to have to do a bit more than that. Equally, equally, if you look at Cam's second year, he had one and a half sacks. He had four tackles for a loss, six quarterback hits. Stefan Tuitt on the other side. Now, he did a little bit more in his first year. So his first year, he had one sack, one tackle for a loss, four quarterback hits. He had, in his second year, six and a half sacks, eight tackles for a loss, 12 quarterback hits. 
But if you look at the defensive snaps, he played 40% in his rookie year, then 90% in 2015. When you look at Cam Haywood, uh, his snap count. Now, the problem with, with that is they didn't start counting them with pro football reference until 2012. So when they got the second year, and the second year, he played 27%. It wasn't until his third year that his stats started to pick up, where he had five sacks, seven tackles for a loss, 10 quarterback hits. And in that year, he played 77% of the snaps. So working out a yield for DeMarvin Leal is quite difficult because it's obviously like it's a bit of a duh moment to say, well, you know, it obviously depends on how many snaps he's going to get. But if we want to see four, five, six sacks, if we want to see that 10 tackles for a loss or even eight tackles for a loss, and you want to see about 10 quarterback hits, which I think he's well capable of, don't get me wrong, he's going to have to play 70 plus percent of the snaps. And so then you're looking at, are their formations, if they're playing in the nickel and dime, is he that third defensive end, defensive tackle that they're playing? If so, yeah, he probably can get there. But if they end up playing, if there's a, a lot of, if they play more base than what they did last year, then you've got Alawalu in there, um, you know, and hopefully he stays fit and it's not necessarily Montrevis Adams. So that's where you start saying, well, is he going to get 70%? And is it a chance where we can start resting and spelling Cameron Haywood? Is it working Ogan Joby in? This is the thing is, is can the yield and the expectations on DeMarvin Leal are really going to lie in how many snaps they're going to give him? I'm really confident in him. I think he can develop. But the other thing we've got to think about too is like Cam Haywood and Stefan Tuitt. I mean, now Cam Haywood had two slower years, whereas Tuitt had a faster integration into the lineup. And Tuitt was a bigger player. Um, I think he was, he's an inch taller than DeMarvin Leal. From, yeah, two inches taller than DeMarvin Leal and a little bit bigger um, pound for pound. But, sorry, not pound for pound, but he, he, he weighed more. Put it that way, a bit, bit of a bigger bloke. And so I think DeMarvin Leal can follow the Stefan Tuitt route, but we want him to develop slowly. It's just about what that yield looks like. And it might take him a little bit of time to work up to it. Uh, you know, and then even Stefan Tuitt, when he had the six and a half sacks in, in year two, then he went four sacks, three sacks, five and a half sacks, three and a half sacks. And then we saw that breakout year in 2020 before, you know, some things happen off field and injuries. And obviously we've now led to his retirement. Same thing with Cam Haywood. I mean, Cam Haywood went one sack, one and a half sacks, five sacks, seven and a half, seven down to three, you know, but that was the year that he only played seven games. Then he went up to 12, eight, nine, four, then the last year, 10. So, even then, when you look at the yield for DeMarvin Leal, a four sack plus, so I was saying four to six sacks, depending on how many snaps he plays, and that's going to, I think, between somewhere between 50 and 70% of the defensive snaps, <clears throat> anywhere between six and eight tackles for a loss, and then anywhere between eight and 12 quarterback hits. That's sort of the range that I think he's capable of. But if he plays below 50% of the, of the snaps, it's going to be a hard situation for what he's going to be able to do. So that's... Leal, Ogunjobi, who I think the reason why I picked those two guys, particularly on defense, is I think the secondary is still making, finding how they're going to make up. But these guys are integral in terms of making sure that it's not all on TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith's shoulders to stop the pass, particularly like at the line of scrimmage. And secondly, we want this defensive line stepping up and putting runners in the dirt. We want them putting pressure on uh, and and when he comes to the inside linebackers, that's what I'm going to talk about. The third guy on the defense for part one of the show is Robinson, Mark Robinson. What does his 
career or what does his uh, yield look like uh, for the Steelers in year one? And so it's hard. I mean, you kind of think, is are we talking about a Vince Williams here? Um, now, Vince Williams, as you know, Jeffrey Bennett talks about, Vince Williams, we all talk about what a great year he had in year one, but you don't want to play a guy that young. That's that's kind of the interesting thing when you talk about Vince Williams. Equally, you know, is is a good career first year for Mark Robinson? Is it what Spillane did in his first year, like at, at the Steelers? It's sort of understand that expectation. Also, you you know, is Devin Bush that number two? Is Spillane the number three? Is it that simple? Does it depend on what they're going to do? To give you an idea, in 2021, in college football at Ole Miss, Mark, and this is the first year he's properly playing linebacker, uh, Mark Robinson had 91 total tackles, 42 solo, 49 assists, five and a half for a loss, three sacks. If he could replicate that in the NFL, and I don't think you're going to see him get 91 tackles. He's not going to play enough snaps to do that. You saw him do that in the NFL, five, ta- five and a half tackles for a loss, three sacks. That would be a ter- terrific year for a seventh-round pick. To give you an idea, Vince Williams had 83 combined, um, sorry, he had 53 combined tackles in his rookie year, four tackles for loss, no quarterback hits, no sacks. He had no sacks in his first three years. So if we say Mark Robinson has a little bit of development to go, you know, I mean, the Steelers might be, might, people might say, say they're playing a better defensive scheme as they're better at, at rushing the passer than what they were. Although the Steelers don't haven't have a heap of sacks from middle linebackers for a while, you know, you, I think Devin Bush is at like the most he had was five in 2019, uh, and Shazier had a few before that. But it's not been. But obviously, we had the sort of that year gap in 2018 in between from the 2017 injury. So uh, this is the thing with Mark Robinson. Again, it comes down to the snaps. If I look at Robert Spillane, his first season in Pittsburgh, he had no sacks. He had 11 tackles. No tackles for loss, but he only played in eight games versus the Vince William numbers that I gave you before. He pl- started 11 and played in 15 games. Um, you know, in his second year in Pittsburgh, uh, Spillane had two sacks. He had uh, 45 combined tackles, four tackles for a loss, three quarterback hits. Uh, so decent, decent performance there. And that really is around the tackles for loss, quarterback hits and sacks. So I, th- I guess when we're looking at that for Mark Robinson, what's what's the yield or expected yield that a guy is going to bring? Well, look, I mean, if if he gets anywhere between forty and fifty tackles, sack or two would be a, you know uh, an absolute bonus there. Uh, if you can get three to five tackles, for, if you can get three tackles for a loss, I think that's a pretty good year. You'd probably not paying him playing in coverage, so I don't really want to put a prediction on pass defense there. But you know, we will probably be hoping that his yield shows itself or he has the bumper crop in his two and three rather than having to pick the fruit early if we're going to continue with the analogy. And so with that, that's going to wrap up part one of this week's Steel's War Room. Join me for part two where we're going to look at two offensive players and their expected yield for the Steelers in 2022. (laughs) 
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. And we're back on the Steelers War Room. I'm Matt Peverell, the host of this weekly show, Steelers War Room. This is the show that likes to put you in the minds of Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney II, Anthony Weidel, Dan Colbert, and Steelers coaching staff as they look to put together a winning roster in uh, 2022 and beyond. And so in part one, we looked at defensive players. Two players we're going to look at on the offensive side in part two here are going to be George Pickens and Mitch Trubisky. So really excited to talk about those guys and their expected yield. And I've been doing a bit of thinking about this and everyone's talking about offensive rookie year. I'm not going to go talk about that, but we are going to talk about what are some expected. Um, you know, if you like play at home over and under, you can tweet at me after the show at Matt Pev after you've listened to it and tell me whether you think it's over and under or whether they're fair expect, expected yields um, from these two players. But before we go into that, just a reminder, BTSC is your nonstop your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's BehindTheSteelCurtain.com from the written word side, or it's the family of podcasts across um, some of which all the nightly shows are done live on YouTube. Uh, but then the rest of our shows, if you're listening to this, um, you know you might be listening to one of the platforms. You might listen to this on a podcast, but you might be Spotify users. So you can download these on Spotify. Uh, you might It might be Pandora, Stitcher, Anchor, um, wherever basically you get good podcasts, you really probably, you will almost certainly be able to find content from behind the steel curtain so that that like that's what we're here for we're here to give you a fan perspective we're here to give you an informative perspective we're here to give you a perspective that the national media are just simply not capable of doing so on to these two offensive players the first one we're going to talk about is mitch trubisky now looking at mitch trubisky's expected sort of his performance his expected yield this season Done a bit of a deep dive into. Let's look first. At, actually, let's look first at the NFL leaders in the in the, for twenty twenty one. So passes completed. Tom Brady led the league with four hundred eighty five, ranked one. Kirk Cousins was tenth with three hundred and seventy two. Uh, then you've got Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Matt Stafford, Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, um, all sort of in between. If you look at pass attempts, though, seven hundred nineteen from Tom Brady. Uh, right down to Kirk Cousins with 561 tenth. Roethlisberger was six. So you look at these stats, you're like, hang on, hang on. Roethlisberger had a pretty good season uh, from that perspective. The passing yards, Roethlisberger was not in the top 10. Uh, but Tom Brady had 5,000, 
5,316. Herbert had 5,014, so he ticked over that 5,000 mark. Stafford had 4,886. Mahomes had 4,839. Derek Carr had 4,804. Joe Burrow had 4,611. Dak Prescott had 4,449. Josh Allen had 4,407. Kirk Cousins had 4,221, and Aaron Rodgers had 4,115. But this was the first 17-game season. So, you know, you only had two players break 5,000 yards, which is so it's still showing that's an achievement. But even in the top 10, you had to break 4,000 yards to make the top 10. And, that's, and the Steelers are going to need some offense this year. They can't let it all go on the defense. They can't leave it all up to Najee. If you look go beyond the top 10 players for terms of passing yards... Uh, it's not until you get to rank, well, rank 11, Matt Ryan, 3,168, but everyone basically in the top 17 quarter, top 18 quarterbacks in the league had over three and a half thousand yards, three and a half thousand, even Ben had 3,740 yards. So that's kind of, you know, we need Mitch Trubisky, you know, a good season could be, and I'll give you my, I'll give you some, give you an insight that later into this segment, but you know, he to be top twelve in the league, he's going to need thirty eight hundred yards. From a passing TD perspective, well, Tom Brady had forty three, led the league. Uh, then you had uh, Matt Stafford with forty one, Herbert with thirty eight, Dak Prescott, um, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers all had thirty seven together, um, ranking there in fourth position. Josh Allen thirty six, Joe Burrow thirty four, Kirk Cousins thirty three, Carson Wentz twenty seven. For context. Ben had 22, so did Mac Jones. So that's 14 and 15. So to be the top half of the, or to be in the top 10 of the league, you're going to need um, 27 touchdowns. Russell Wilson had 25, but we know obviously he didn't play um, every game there. He only played 14 games. So that kind of gives you that sort of situation with him. Uh, Kyler Murray only had 24 TDs. So kind of, you know, yeah, from Trubitsky's perspective, if you want to make top 10, you're going to need like 28 TDs, probably plus. Uh, passer rating. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had 111.9 at number one. Burrow with 108.3. Dak Prescott with 104.3. Kirk Cousins, 103.1. Russell Wilson, 103.1. Crazy that <laughs> went over 100. They can that close. Matt Stafford, 102.9. Tom Brady, 102.1. Kyler Murray, 100.6. Jimmy Garoppolo, 98.7. Patrick Mahomes, 98.5. Uh, and then when you look at interceptions, you've got Trevor Lawrence with 17, and so Matt Stafford had 17, Josh Allen had 15, so did Taylor Heineke, Justin Herbert, Burrow had 14, Carr had 14, Tannehill had 14, Donald had 13, Lamar Jackson had 13, Mac Jones had 13, Patrick Mahomes had 13. So that rounds out your top 10, but basically you've got people all in these bands of, you know, first in the league in Lawrence and Stafford, then third in the league, sixth in the league, ninth in the league. Um, in terms of how Pro Football Reference um, sort of record it. In terms of sacks, Burrow led the league with 51 sacks, a year off coming off an ACL injury. Ouch. Uh, then you've got Tannehill with 47, Zach Wilson 44, Baker Mayfield 43. I mean, I think Wilson didn't even play the whole year. Derek Carr 40, Matt Ryan 40, Heineke 38, Jackson 38, Roethlisberger 38, Fields 36. So that kind of... You know, that's a lot of sacks. So if we look at Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky, if you average all his stats 
over the course of his career so far. Now, obviously, you're pretty much counting out Buffalo because there's almost no stats for Buffalo last year. So you're doing about four seasons in the league because remember, Chicago didn't pick up his fifth-year option. You also got to remember he only played in 10 games in 2020 and only 12 in 2017. So, And then the most he's ever played is 15. So he's never played a full season, but he's kind of missed the best part of a season. If you're if you think, if you're almost a whole season, if you look at the games that he's played in throughout his career. So, and plus you don't have Buffalo. So you're averaging numbers, you know, across the, across his four years in the league, but he's already missing kind of almost a whole season within those four years. However, if you average the numbers, uh, Mitch Trubisky averages 252 completions, 64% completion rate, 2,652 yards, 16 TDs. Um, so 4% of his passes are, are turned into TDs, 9.25 um, interceptions. So that's almost a two to one ratio. 135 first downs, 206 yards per game, 87 quarterback rating. 27.5 sacks on average, it'll get sacked per year. 1.25 fourth quarter comebacks and 1.7 game winning drives. Now, again, I kind of found that really interesting. And that's why I wanted to bring up the fourth quarter, you know, comebacks and the game winning drives because we think about Ben and those numbers for Ben. Like he had 53 game winning drives and 41 fourth quarter comebacks throughout, you know, his, his career. It's inc- you know it's just incredible um, from what he was doing over those uh, eighteen seasons, and so you know he's he's averaging a lot more. He's you know two fourth quarter comebacks. He's averaging uh, eighteen. Yeah, he's averaging almost three game winning drives a year. Um, obviously, we had the seven last year, which was pretty incredible. But if we look at Mitch Trubisky from his best year in the league, which is a, which which is a Better, it's 2018. Now, he only played 14 games in that year. He played 15 games the following year. But he had, I feel like that's the better season. Now, while he didn't have as many completions in 2019, he had 209 completions this, in this year out of 434 attempts. So it was a 66.6% complete completion rate, which was better than what he had in 2019 when he played 15 games. He also had more yards in 2018. Uh, he was he basically had 100 more yards with 3,223. He had his best year for touchdowns with 24. And the net following year had 17. And then he had 12 interceptions. So a two to one ratio, 163 first downs. Uh, average yards per attempt was 7.4. Yards per completion was 11.2. Uh, yards per game was 230, quarterback rating 95.4, and he was only sacked 24 times, whereas the next year he was sacked 38 times. And that's when he started to see it fall apart in Chicago. He also had in that year one fourth quarter comeback, two game winning drives, and that was the year he made the pro-, pro Bowl. And if people that are into sports reference or pro football reference, he had a AV of 13, which is pretty incredible. So, I mean, and had more better AV sort of stats over the course of his career. But at 13 is a pretty good year. You know, Ben had a couple of years of 14. Uh, last year was a nine, if that's perspective. The last time Ben was at 13, 14 was in 2017 and 2018. So, and, you know, obviously 2018, he threw 5,000 yards. The most he ever had was 16 in 2014 um, in terms of his AV. So what do I think from Mitch Trubisky's perspective 
What like how can we put this when we look at the top ten? What have you? Well, we don't want him in the top ten sacks. So we don't want him sacked more than thirty times. If you can do that, he stays out of the top ten people being sacked. So that's a cool yield for him there. But this O line, like you know, Zach Wilson. Uh, sorry, Joe Burrow probably had a better O line last year, and he got sacked fifty one times. Baker Mayfield with that O line and the Browns got sacked. And I talk about those two guys, particularly Baker Mayfield, because Trubisky will move around like he does. Um, and like even Justin Fields, his O-line wasn't very good and he moved around it. I and mean, he didn't even play every game. He still got sacked 36 times. So Trubisky better be prepared. But if the Steelers O-line can keep him to being sacked under, I've said under 30 would be great, but under 40, I think that'll turn out to be a good year with this O-line. That's, that's a really good outcome. In terms of interceptions, well, you know, when we talk about Mitch Trubisky there, we talked about him averaging 9.25. He's got a pretty low ratio because he doesn't have, he doesn't throw a lot of those touchdowns. Steelers are going to be in games. He know, he will, this will be like with Mason and Duck. It'll be about who doesn't kill you for the first four or five weeks. And then if Trubisky can do, be better than that, then he can hold off, um, Kenny Pickett a little while longer. So I'm thinking for him, if he was to play a full year, I think, Interception-wise, if he could have a 16 and let's say he had 38 touchdowns, you'd probably feel pretty good about that. Better if he had 40 because then he'd have two and a half, uh, two and a half touchdowns to interception ratio. Uh, but yeah, if he can get even 14 to 14 interceptions to the OTD, somewhere in that range would be perfect, I think. Uh, that would get that would be a good ratio. In terms of first downs. I mean, he had 163 in uh, 2018, 2019, he had 156. Look, if he's got up something like 170, 180 first downs, remember there is an extra game. That's probably a good performance. But he's going to have to get more than 230 yards. I mean, he he's going to need to really, like, I mean, even Ben, I mean, Ben last year, from a yards perspective per game, had 233. We need a better passing offense than that. He ne- He needs... 260. The last time the Steelers had 260 was 2018 when Bennett averaged 320. Uh, but then before that, it was 283 in 2017, 272 in 2016. So, yeah, I mean, they need 230 plus, and ideally, it'll be in the 260 mark from Trubisky. So, I think that gives you a pretty good perspective of where what the yield looks like for Mitch Trubisky if he plays a full season. And that's the caveat because what like and, and how does that scale across six or eight games if that's all he plays? Um, and then it's the Kenny Pickett show. Uh, but you know, hopefully, it does ball out. I mean, I'm hoping Kenny Pickett forces an issue, forces the issue. But I hope you know it's. Be- I hope Kenny's playing because not because Trubisky's bad or because the O line has got him injured. I really hope this is more about Kenny Pickett absolutely balling out. We want Kenny Pickett start for Ken- on Kenny Pickett's terms not forcing him into that lineup. Um, and if it's in the first three games, I think it, they're going to put Mason in. I'm sorry if everyone hates that, but that's what they're going to do. They're not going to, they're not playing him against Bill Belichick in week two, and they're not then letting him sign up for a short start going into Cleveland. They're just not going to do it. it, it yet I think Tomlin likes to win, but even then I think he'd probably let say out rides with the other guys, you know, between Trubisky and Mason for those first three games, unless Trubisky injures himself out first week of the season. I don't want to give anyone the yips. Um, then, yeah, I, I just don't see Pickett, you know, starting in those first three games particularly. Cool. So 
let's talk about the last offensive player and then we can wrap up the podcast for you guys. Uh, and that's George Pickens. Well, this is kind of a funny, this required a bit of, a bit of fact finding on my part. And then funnily enough, I, so then I, I put all this data together uh, on wide receivers based on performance last year in the 17 games, because it kind of changes the equation a bit in blooding rookies. And then I came up with my prediction, which I will give you guys. Uh, but then right before I was going to record the show, I thought I bet, I know, I remember reading a couple of weeks back, Daniel Jeremiah wrote an article on best and worst case scenarios for rookies. And one of them was George Pickens. So I can even contrast what I predicted versus his, but I wrote mine down first. So, and we are different on what we believe. One number is exactly the same. Um, so yeah, kind of cool to be able to do that as well. But I'll give you two. What I did was look at two numbers. So basically, and believe me, this took a bit of a while in an Excel spreadsheet. I looked at the receiving, all those players at wide receiver um, from last year that caught receiving touchdowns. And then anyone over 20, you can't sort in pro football reference this way. And it was very hard anywhere else to do it. So what it was, anyone that was older than 25, I just determined, I don't think there was anyone that was a rookie that was 25 as a wide receiver. Uh, so immediately cut them out. I then, so then I was able to do some averages and then, so I'll give you the, those averages look like cross wide receivers under 25 that caught a t- at least one TD in the league. That was the, um, sorry, no, I lie. I'll give you the, the average based on all wide receivers under 25 in the league. And then I did top 10 by TDs and they basically had to have scored more caught, you know, or scored more than four TDs um, to qualify in this top 10, if you like. Um and that's the way it's sort of rolled out as well. Um, it's probably more like just call them top receivers because it might be slightly over 10. So anyway, the average wide for wide receivers under 25 in the league last year, the, the average receiving stats were 60% completions. They played in 12 games with five starts. They averaged 48 targets for 30 receptions, 389 yards, 2.3 TDs, 18 first downs, 7.6 yards per target, 2.1 receptions per game, and 28 yards per game if you round up to the nearest yard. So, you know, that, that that's kind of interesting. It's playing 75% of the games, only captured 60%, almost 400 yards, just over two TDs per game, only 30, let's call it 30 yards. That's kind of the standard season and 30 receptions. So, not that great. And you, you want to hope that Pickens, with everything he showed so far, is going to do better than that. So if we look at the top receivers with four more TDs. They played 16.13 games. Uh, they started in 12 games. They averaged 103 targets. It's a lot of targets. Uh, 65.5 receptions, 63% completion rate, 862 yards, yards per reception, six TDs, um, 41 first downs, 8.3 yards per target, four receptions per game, and 53 yards per game. Now, Jamar Chase led all of that with, um, in terms of TDs with 13. Justin Jefferson, I mean, he wasn't a rookie. He had 1,616 yards. C.D. Lamb had 1,100. T. Higgins had almost 1,100. Uh, there were a few other guys that had 1,000 yards in there. DJ Moore over DJ Moore. Darnell Mooney. Uh, DK Metcalf had 967. 
trying to look for another um I'm trying to find one of the rookies. Oh no, I was saying Brown had 912, Devonna Smith had 916. Uh AJ Brown had 869. So that kind of gives you a good perspective from those guys. Uh the most yards per game on average was 95.1 from Justin Jefferson. We all know what a good year he had. Uh T. Higgins had 79, 77.9. So you know, Jamar Chase had 85.6. He was sort of that really that best rookie. So what do I think George Pickens can do? Well, this is what I said, and then I fell in love with Donald Jamar. So I had him in 14 games, assuming there might be a niggling injury at some point. There might be a rest period. They might rest him going the, in the playoffs for 11 starts. Now, that's always dependent with a guy on a wide receiver on formation. Hey, he might do better, but, I, you know, that, that's that's what I'm picking. Um Seven TDs, 95 targets for 65 receptions. So I, I thought that was quite interesting. And I did change that. So 60, that's it, 68%. I knew that my 65% written down wasn't right. So 68% um, catch rate, 760 yards for 11.7 per reception. Um, an average of about 4.64 to 4.33 receptions per game. Um, now that depended when I changed numbers from the early 700. So I call that like sort of about four and a half, um, and then forty-seven point six yards per game. But again, that's based on this, the seven hundred and sixty yards total that I have him at um, there at eleven point seven per reception. But it, as you can see, there fourteen games, seven TDs, sixty-five receptions, sixty-eight percent completion rate, seven hundred and sixty yards, not quite eight hundred, eleven point seven per reception, and around fifty yards per game. That that's kind of what I have it at. It, and I mean, obviously, 50 yards per game will tick him up past 760. Then when I looked up right before the show, Daniel Jeremiah, he had projected stats. He's, look, he said, best case scenario, Pickens could be joined the 1,000-year club as a rookie. He has that upside, but we'll see because there's a lot of mouths to feed, including Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson. Um, obviously, we know Claypool and Freemuth and a few of the other guys as well. So he had projected stats, George Pickens, 65 catches, 845 yards, and six TDs. So we had the same amount of catches. Um, now, admittedly, Daniel Jeremiah, I think, had this before the preseason. Oh, no. Yeah, sorry, midway through the preseason. So I'd sort of seen, you know, George Pickens used a bit more in the short game than what I think we originally all might have thought, which to me means that you might see a higher catch rate but a lower yardage rate. Um, that that was the way I sort of approached it. He definitely he had almost 100 extra yards um, for George Pickens, and I had more TDs with seven versus six. I just think he's going to just he's going to be a weapon for them from in the TD game. So yeah, interesting yields there. I guess to wrap up this week's show, what you're sort of seeing is that the Steelers, if all of these guys, well, let's look at it from this perspective. If all five of these guys. The three on defense and the two on offense from this new crop of Steelers. And I, and I said, I can't talk about everyone in the show. We don't have enough time for that. But if these guys can hit these average stat yields or above, the Steelers are going to have a really good season. You're going to be better on the defensive line. They're going to have better quarterback, quarterback play than they had a year ago. And they're going to have a better wide, better wide receiver play, whether George Pickens turns out to be the second best wide receiver on the Steelers this season or the third best or the, you know, behind Claypool. If it was third best and he could hit these kind of numbers, we'd all be thrilled. But look, we'll see. Season kicks off this weekend, and these are when these guys can start delivering um, that yield and, and start delivering for the Steelers as the Steelers look to have, you know, a bumper harvest all the way through to the playoffs.
As always, go Steelers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.